0: Good morning. Hopefully, you guys have already enjoyed yourself uh, this morning. It is a blast coming in to a bunch of screaming teenagers, isn't it? Uh, some, some of you, I know, you're like, man, this is the greatest Sunday ever. I feel so welcome. Can we do it every Sunday? And then some of you are like, man, I could have slept in today. Like, not good church, right? But, uh, but I'm glad you're here, and it's been a blast. It's also been a great time uh, worshiping with the porch man. I love that group of students and what Ryan does with them uh, week in and week out at porch and get to worship with them on Sunday nights is a blast, and it's always a privilege when they get to come and do that uh, here on a Sunday morning. So hopefully you enjoyed worshiping the Lord with them. But I am excited this morning to continue the series that we started a few weeks ago back here at our church called Christian Atheism. And kind of the idea behind this series is that many times we as Christians, we profess God with our lips, we profess that we love Him, we acknowledge His presence, but many times when you look at the way we live day in and day out, our life says otherwise, so many times there's this contradiction between what we say and how we actually live. And so we're diving into that in this series. Now this morning I get the opportunity to talk to you about uh, something that we call the sacred-secular split. So many times as Christian atheists we have a sacred-secular split type of lifestyle. What I mean by that is this is that many times we put uh, things like church in a sacred category. So we have you know, our sacred part of our lives, so we could go into church there, maybe we put community group there, maybe serving, or maybe some spiritual discipline you do, like reading the Bible or prayer. That's all sacred. But then you throw everything else in a secular category. So you have your work, you have your friends, your families, uh, your hobbies, uh, you know, school for students, your school. And so what you end up doing is living this life where some things are sacred, and you say, man, those matter to God. Those are what God really cares about. But then everything else is kind of secular. Like, does God really care about my work? Does God really care about my school? Uh, Maybe that's kind of up to me to do on my own. And so you have your sacred and your secular. Now, the problem is that's not the best way to live. That's not what God wants us to do. It's a form of Christian atheism. And so we're going to dive into that. But before we do, I want to start with just being honest with you and giving you a little confession. Uh, And the confession is this, is that I see this form of Christian atheism come up in my life all the time. Like out of all the different forms of Christian atheism we may dive into, this is the one I tend to see creep up into my life from time to time. And I want to give you some examples of that, all right? One from early on in my faith and then one more currently. So let me show you some pictures. Uh, This is... what I like to call youth group Austin pictures, all right? So uh, I'm the guy in the uh, blue shirt that looks very mad in the choir uh, and then a little more happy holding the puppet, and I'll explain that in a minute. So uh, that's me. These are pictures from middle school going into high school. So I was a part of a youth group in a church that was very traditional, uh, you know, down south, praise the Lord, Baptist kind of church. Um, And so our youth group was very, very kind of conservative and traditional. And one of the things that we did as a youth group uh, is we were involved in a, things, a thing called Teens Involved. And it basically was where you would have ministry teams, like preaching. I guess that's not a team, that's kind of you. Uh, but then you'd have choir, puppet team, all this stuff. And you would practice throughout the year. And then you would compete against other youth groups uh, once a year. Because what's better than minis- What's better than making kids practice for ministry and try to beat each other? I don't know. But um, that's what we did once a year. So I was a part of the puppet team, as you can see there. I was a little more excited about that than the choir not sure why I was in the choir, uh, but that was part of my life. That was a major part of my life. Like, that youth group was very, very vital to my life. It was in that youth group uh, that I came to hear the gospel for the first time. It was during that youth group that I met Jesus and started my relationship with him. It was in that youth group that I learned about serving Jesus and leading and all those things. So it was a major part of my life. But let me show you another picture. This is what I call skateboarding Austin, Right. Uh, and so this was the other major section of my life. And so I uh, was all about skateboarding throughout middle school and high school. Uh, I ended up getting actually pretty good and did some contests and had some sponsors. Uh, and it was like a huge part of my life. If you ask me, no, can you still do a trick? No, I can't, all right? Um, but that was huge for me. That was a major part. And I show you those two, two pictures because of this. Those two lives never touched. Like I had my Sacred Austin, which was youth group go to church, worship Jesus, serve Jesus, but then skateboarding Austin was over here in the secular category. And I would live differently in each world because in my mind, I thought God was really concerned about me going to youth group, learning about him, focusing all the spiritual stuff. But God is not that concerned about my skateboarding. Like, he's really not that concerned about how I use my time when I'm out skating with my friends, right? But what I learned is, man, he does care Like, he cares about how I live in my sacred category and also my secular, because for him, there is no categories. And so I saw that very early on in my faith. And I even see it to this day, because I would love to say, hey, this was the past, I've grown out of it, but I haven't. So let me show you one more picture. This is a picture of a Bible reading plan I'm currently doing. So one of my goals in 2018 uh, was to read through the Bible cover to cover. And so almost done. I got Revelation coming up. So while all you guys are doing your nice little Advent studies, I will be confused as I'll get out in the book of Revelation um, for the next month. So uh, I'm a little bit behind, so don't look at the bottom too much. But uh, that's what I do, right? And so I try every morning to wake up and spend that time with the Lord. Sometimes it's not in the morning. But as a type A kind of OCD person, I love this little check box thing, right? Like I love getting up, knowing exactly what I need to read, checking that box off, and seeing progress, right? But what I've noticed, and I've caught myself doing this, is I get up, I read my Bible, I focus on God during that time, and I check the box, and then I go about my day, and everything else is secular in my world, right? Like I don't think about God at work, you know, you're like, you work at a church, shouldn't you be all, eh, it's not always that right? but... Uh, so even at work, right, like I view it like, man, I checked that box off. I got my sacred done. And then I kind of roll into the mode where it's all about me. I can get through it. And so there's days at the end of my work day that I'm like, man, did I even stop to invite God into my work? Did I even stop to consider his presence? Did I stop to ask him for help when I needed to make a decision? No, I tend to view it as up to me or Secular. And I think all of us have that tendency to live with a sacred and secular split, that we have some things as sec- sacred, that they matter to God, and then some other things that we view are just not that important to God. We often throw them in a secular category. And so what I want to do this morning to help us understand uh, how to live better than this and, and go a different route is I want to first talk about atheism really quickly, and then we'll talk about Christian atheism, and then we'll talk about theism. So how should we actually live as people who believe in God and practice Uh, his presence in our lives. So first, let's talk about atheism. So if you would go up to someone and they would say, hey, I'm an atheist, that person uh, would be someone who doesn't believe in God, right? They don't believe in an existence of God or any divine being. So if you go up to them and say, hey, can you tell me about how you view your life? Like, do you have a sacred and a secular split? No. Like, they would look at you and be like, no, because there is no sacred. So for them, life is just one giant pool of, man, I do whatever I want, There's no God to inform how I live. There's no God I'm accountable to. So it's up to me to just kind of live however I want. So they probably don't have that struggle. Now, when we think about the Christian atheists, which is what we're diving into in this series, they would disagree with that, right? Because even a Christian atheist would say this I believe in God. Atheist, you're wrong. There is a God who loves you, there is a God who wants to have a relationship with you. I acknowledge who he is, he does exist. But if you look at the way the Christian atheists live, and the atheists the way they live, it is very similar. Because they may disagree on does God exist or not, but the Christian atheist is guilty of living just like the atheist and going about their day, working their jobs, spending time with their families, doing whatever hobby you do, doing it just like the atheist, as if God doesn't exist, as if God doesn't really care about those things. And so we're guilty of that a lot. And I want to give you a little illustration about exactly how that looks. So I got some eggs with me. Uh, any eggs fans? All right, like one of you? Cool. Um, so here's some eggs. I sent Alan, our intern, to get some, and he got me cage-free eggs that are brown. I've never seen them in my life. Uh, I'm normally a Walmart guy that gets the cheapest ones, um, and I don't think those are cage-free. So um, so here's the thing. So I got a nice little egg carton. It even has a nice little flap here I've never seen before. It's blowing my mind. So uh, many times, right, many times we view our life very much uh, like this egg carton. Like, let me explain that. So we we say this, all right, so I got my work, right? Whatever job you do, whatever career you have, you have your work, and you give that a little category of your life. Maybe it's a a huge category, but it's a category in your life. And then you say, all right, I have my uh, family, you know, so I have my family, they have a part as well, they have a little section. Then I have my friends, um, you know, they have a part of my life. And then uh, school, so if you're a college student, middle school, high school, you have your school here. And then you're like, all right, I have my hobbies. So whatever hobby you enjoy, you give it a little section. So they all have their nice little section. And then you say, all right, but I'm a Christian, right? Like I got to have God in my life. So he has to have a section, right? So you give God a section. And in that section of your life, you may put church, community groups, serving, whatever. Uh, That's your sacred. That's your God spot. Here's the thing. What's wrong with that picture? You don't actually have to answer. I know all you really want to. But uh, the problem is this. Those are all sections and they never touch each other, right? God stays in his section. He doesn't touch your work. He doesn't touch your family. He doesn't touch your friends because he's just a nice little section of your life. And that is a problem because God does not want part of your life. He wants your whole life. God doesn't want an hour of your week on Sunday mornings in his nice little section. He wants the whole stinking life that you have. He wants everything. And so many times we're guilty of living life like this when God says, I want this. Give it all. I don't want just a little bit. And so, as I was thinking about this, I I was thinking, all right, why do we do that? Like, why do we default into that lifestyle? Because we many times are guilty of that. And I came up with a few reasons I want to talk about. The first one is this we don't mature in our faith. We just don't mature in our faith. All right, I told you earlier that I struggle with this form of Christian atheism. So now you're like, you're not mature in your faith. You're not either. So get over it, right? Uh, None of us are fully mature, we all have room to grow, right? And many times, the reason we live like the egg cart and the reason we give God a section, not the whole thing, because we're not growing, we're immature in our faith. And here's the thing, it makes sense for a new Christian to live like that. It kind of makes sense, because when someone comes to faith for the first time and they start that walk with Jesus, it sort of makes sense that, hey, they don't fully give everything to God, that part of them growing in their faith is submitting more and more to the lordship of Jesus. Jesus. But as they grow, they should be giving more to him, every area of their lives. But many times, we're stuck in this little egg carton, sacred-secular split because we're just not growing. We're not mature in our faith. That's one reason. Another reason could be this. It's comfortable. It's comfortable. Let me tell you this. It is so comfortable being a Christian atheist. Like, being a Christian atheist is easy. It's very comfortable. Why? Because God is a little section of your life. You check that box off in the morning when you read, or you check that box when you come to church, I'm done, right? God has his little neat section. It's comfortable. It gets uncomfortable when you start to submit other areas to him because you're thinking, God, it's comfortable for you to have a nice little section, but if you get out of your section and you start messing with my family, my friends, my work, how I spend my time, hold on, God, that's, that makes me uneasy. That's not comfortable. And so a lot of us default into this living because it's comfortable, it's easy. And maybe another reason is this, it puts us in control, It puts us in control. We all have a pride issue. We do not want Jesus to be the Lord of our lives. We will say, God, you can be Lord over an hour on Sundays. You can be Lord maybe for an hour and a half at community group. Or maybe if I'm a super big Christian, like an hour extra on Sundays to serve in the kids zone, right? Like, God, you can have those. But don't start messing with my work. Don't start being Lord of the way I spend my time and my hobbies. Don't be Lord of my family and my friends. Stay in your lane. Be Lord of that. But don't be Lord over everything else. And it's because we have a pride issue. We just don't want to give Jesus lordship over every area of our lives. We don't want him to be lord of our work, of our family, of our friends, things like that. And so I don't know what reason you fall into. Maybe it's another one, but none of those reasons are good. If you come up to me and say, hey, this is my reason for being a Christian atheist, it's a bad reason. There is no good reasons to live this way. And so what I want to do now is I want to turn our attention to the scriptures because the Bible tells us uh, there is a different way to live. There is a way as followers of Jesus we are called to live, and it's not living in a sacred, secular split. And so what I want to do is I just want to dive into three passages. They all come uh, from the Apostle Paul and his writing in the New Testament. And these passages do a great job of showing us how we should live as theists, people who actually believe in God, and we show that with our lifestyle. So the first passage comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and it says this. Now may the God of peace sanctify, or may the peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. All right, so Paul here, he is talking to a group of Christians, and he is ending his letter like he does many times with kind of a prayer and a benediction. And part of his prayers, he wraps up this letter, is he says, hey, I want God, the God of peace, I want God to sanctify you completely. And then he says, I want God to sanctify you, your whole spirit, your whole body, your whole soul. He is saying, I want God to sanctify every part of who you are, every inch of your life. And Paul used those words on purpose. He says, completely, because he wants us to know God is not interested in sanctifying half of us or a little bit of us. He wants to sanctify us completely, and he wants to do it to our whole lives. Not just part, but the whole thing. And what Paul is doing here is he is talking about this doctrine of sanctification, Right? There's a doctrine of, in Christianity that we say, hey, when you come to faith, you are sanctified, meaning at that moment until you get to Jesus one day in heaven, you are going to be growing in your faith. You're going to be progressively sanctified. We call it progressive sanctification. And what that means, simply that, is that you keep growing in your faith, that every day, every moment, every year, every season, you're becoming more and more like Jesus as God sanctifies you in your life. And Paul says, hey, That should happen every single moment of your life. That should happen in whatever you are doing. It's not just on Sunday mornings that God wants to sanctify you. It's not only when you're serving that God wants to sanctify you. He wants to sanctify you at work. He wants to sanctify you as you hang out with your friends and family. He wants to sanctify you when you're at school. He wants to grow you in holiness and test you and push your faith in every aspect of your life. Every part of your life. So what we need to know is this, that he, God, applies his sanctifying work to every part of who we are. And our job is to yield every part to him and say, God, have your way. God, have your sanctifying work in, in my life, every way, not just the church, everything I do. Sanctify me. That's, that's what we should long for. But Paul goes on to say this in another passage in 1 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10.31, he says this, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Now, this is one of those verses that many of us as Christians, we know, and it's a nice fancy verse you may throw on your wall, like it may say it every now and then, but do we really understand what Paul is saying? Because he says, whatever you do, whether that's you eat or drink or anything else, all right, so Paul just said, there's no part of your life that's not included in this verse that I'm referring to. He says, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. See, Many of us think we come to church to give glory to God. We sing, we listen to the word, all glory to God. But you can give glory to God at work. You can give glory to God with your families, with your friends, at ho- when you're doing your hobbies, when you're at school. Everything that we do is an opportunity and a privilege to glorify God. Right? Every single thing you do, every moment of the day, that is an opportunity and a privilege. God says, here, glorify me through whatever you are doing. And that's what Paul's telling us to do. Don't just glorify God for an hour a week or a few hours a week. Glorify God in every single thing that you find yourself doing, every single part of your life. And then there's one more passage I want to look at, and this is, again, from, the, uh, from Paul, and it's in the book of Colossians. It's a little longer, and it says this. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit to your husbands as a fitting to the Lord, Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. All right, some of you are like, man, we're gonna talk about wives submitting to husbands. No, Pastor Rick will do that. Um, but, but, but Paul, right, right, Paul inserts this for a reason. So, so think about the way he starts this passage. He says, hey, and whatever you do, do it in the name of the Lord. Meaning that whatever you're doing, whether that's work, hanging out with your friends, practicing some hobby you enjoy, and whatever you do, do it in the name of the Lord. That means do it with the aim to please him. Do it with the aim to bring him honor and glory. Do it with the strength that he provides. You do it for him. And then he jumps into these categories about wives and husbands and children and parents and employees and employers. And you're thinking, Paul, why are you like jumping subjects? Why are we jumping to this? But what Paul is doing is this. He's saying, hey, and whatever you do, do it in the name of the Lord. Let me give you some examples. And then he rolls into, hey, you can serve the Lord. You can in the name of the Lord, be a good wife, be a good husband, be a good child, be a good employee, right? These are areas that we sometimes throw in the secular category. And Paul is saying, hey, they are sacred. These are things that God cares about. And then he ends the passage with a great little reminder. He says, you are serving the Lord. You are serving the Lord. So you can serve the Lord in your family relationships. You can serve the Lord in how you work, Right, Paul says, man, all these areas and more are areas that you can serve God. And just like every area that we're given, every part of our life is an opportunity to glorify God, it's also an opportunity to serve God and to serve our Lord. Martin Luther, the great church reformer, says it this way, the entire world is full of service to God, not only the churches, but also the home, the kitchen, the cellar, the workshop, and the field of the townsfolk and farmers, right? Martin Luther said it so well. He says, hey, this world is full of service to God. Your life is full of service to God, not just an hour on Sundays, not just a few times a week. Everything that you do is an opportunity for you to serve the Lord. It is an area that you can serve your Savior, Jesus. And so taking these three verses together, you can kind of sum it up like this, that every part of your life is a part that you can grow in sanctification a part that you can glorify God and a part that you can serve Jesus, right? That's not just a Sunday thing. That's a a Monday thing tomorrow when you go to work, right? That's a Tuesday night thing when you're hanging out with your community group and your family and friends. That's a Wednesday, Thursday, when you're doing your hobby, whatever that is. Everything that you do, every part of your life is an area that God wants to sanctify. He wants to grow you in your faith. And it's also an opportunity for you to glorify him and to serve him, every single area, not just part, all. So what you need to know, hey, there is no sacred secular. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus, it is all sacred, right? There is no little sacred category to put stuff in and then some secular category over here. It is one giant category that you are called to view as something that God cares about. And in every area of your life, no matter what it is, you grow in your sanctification, you glorify the Lord, and you serve Him. And so that's what I want you to know. But I want to give you some action steps, right? Because it's easy to hear me talk about this, and it's easy for you to be like, yeah, I need to do something and then not actually do anything about it. But I want to give you some action steps. The first one's a little more of a mind shift. The second one's a little more of an action practical step. But the first thing I want you all, myself included, to do is this. We need to get rid of categories in our lives and view it all as God's. That's the first step in this. We got to get rid of all the categories that we have. We got to get rid of the sacred and the secular, See, going back to the egg carton, what we got to do is we got to stop viewing our life as you get this part, God, and everything else gets apart. Don't do that. It, get rid of those categories and offer up your entire life to him and say, it's all yours. Have it. Take my work. Take my family. Take my friends. Take my hobby. Take my school. It's all yours. Don't give God a section anymore. Give him the whole thing. There's a great quote from a guy named Abraham Kuyper, and he says this, there is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. right, let that sink in. That means God looks at your life and he points at your work and says, mine. He points at your friends and says, mine. He points at your school, says, mine. He points at your hobbies, mine. He says, mine, 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 mine. It's all mine. God doesn't want just the section. He wants it all. And what we should do is offer up our entire lives to him and say, God, it is all yours. I give it to you. Take it. So that's the first thing. Let me give you a second thing. And this is on the heels of that first one. Because like I said, if I don't give you something practical, you probably won't do it, right? You're gonna be watching the Browns in a little bit and forget what Austin said this morning. But second step is this. Put practical reminders in our lives to remind ourselves it all matters to God, right? Put a practical reminder in your life. That may be a sticky note, That may be, you know, something, a literal reminder on your device. That could be something on your computer, something in your house, something at your desk at work. But do something, put a practical reminder that, man, this area matters to God. And and do that reminder with the section that you struggle most to give to God, right? Like, let's say it is your work. Man, you don't view work as something God cares about. You don't use that as a way to glorify him. If that's your struggle, then put that reminder in work somehow right? Put that reminder in whatever section you're struggling to give fully to God because God does not care about part. He cares about all. And so every area of our life is an area that we can serve him and glorify him. So put a reminder in that area to help you do just that. So let me give you an example to wrap up to kind of Help you see what I'm asking you to do. Because recently, uh, the Lord has really convicted me over an area of my life and then also given me kind of a practical reminder I can use. And, and the area that I've been convicted of, and if you're a dad, you know this, uh, the area is called between work and bedtime. All right? Uh, I call it war zone, whatever you're going to call it, I don't know. But um, here's the thing so we, uh, we have a daughter, so it's our first daughter. She's a little bit over a year old. And for the past year, My life has been radically changed um, and different. And one of the things that I've learned is, man, when I come home from work, that little gap of time between that point and when we go to bed, it's just insane, right? I'm like survival mode, go in the house, like mom's crying, who knows where the daughter is, right? Something's on fire. Uh, House is a wreck, toys everywhere. And I'm just like, get to bedtime, right? Survival, get to the end. That's all I think about, right? And if you're a dad, you know, your wife's probably hitting you right now and you're like, no, it's not me. Yes, you, right? Um, so we, we get that. And, and I've been convicted over that. Like, man, that is a time. It's not survival mode. That is a point every day that I have that God wants to sanctify me, that he wants me to glorify him and serve him in that gap of time. And so I've really been convicted by that. And so there's a reminder, a practical way I remind myself of that, and I call it a stop sign prayer. Right? So most of us stop at stop signs. It's a good idea. Um, especially me. I got a stop sign right before my house and there's a cop that sits there every dang day. And so no rolling stops, right? If I don't stop, I'm probably going to kick it. So uh, I stop fully. And every day I have to stop there, right? I'm a, I'm a good citizen. So I do that. Um, and when I stop there, right, that is a reminder for me, hey, stop and pray. Just real quick, right? It's no like long prayer, right? Because someone's behind me, they want me to pray and move. So I'm just quickly praying like, God, give me strength. God, help me to go into my house and to glorify you and to serve you by loving my wife, loving my daughter, helping out any way I can. God, if there's an area in my life that you need to sanctify, it's patience probably, uh, but whatever that area is in that section of time, sanctify it. Help me grow in holiness. And I have to remind myself, hey, I stop at that stop sign, stop and pray, and then I can go into my house with that mindset. And I don't know what your area is. I don't know what area you struggle most to fully give God. But I know we all have those areas and I know we all need reminders. And so whatever area that is, get rid of those categories, give it to God, and then put a reminder in your life to help you remember that because it matters to God. There is no sacred and secular. There's only sacred for us who follow Jesus. And what we're going to do now is we're going to respond in song. The band's going to come back out and we're going to sing. And in this song that we're going to sing, there is a line. It's repeated a few times and it says, take everything, take everything. And that's my prayer for myself. That's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for our church, is that we would be a church that doesn't just offer up God an hour on Sundays, that we would not be a church that offers up a part of our lives, that we would offer up to him every single part because it all matters to him. It's all his. And so as we sing, I pray that you would do just that, that you would offer everything to him because he wants it all. So with that in mind, let me pray and then we'll respond together. Father God, we come before you as people who, God, so often know that we give you just a section of our lives, a part of our lives, but so often we neglect you in other areas. Father, I pray through your spirit you would convict us of that this morning in response to your word. God, and even as we sing this song, that we would uh, repent of that. And God, we would use this song as a prayer to you to say, God, take everything. Don't just take an hour on Sundays. Don't just take a few hours here and there. Take every single part. Take my work. Take my friends. Take my family. Take it all. It's all yours. It's all yours. Father, help us to, to be obedient to that. God, I pray you would draw us closer to you and we walk out of here with people who offer everything to you. God, we love you, but we need to love you more and we need to demonstrate that with our lives. So please help us do that. In Christ's name, amen.